Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Hey yo, what's up? This is Rick Thorne, the Biker in Black. On this episode, I got a very good friend of mine. His name is Tommy Galinas. He owns and runs a museum in the Valley in Southern California. It's called Valley Relics Museum. All right, I'm going to call him right now. Let's do this. Hey yo, what's up, Tommy? What are you doing? Well, how's it going, Rick? Just hanging out at the crib. So, listen, man, I'm calling you because, well, we've been friends a long time, and I know all about your museum, but I want the whole world to know about your museum. But there's a lot of things about your museum that I don't know. First off, like, I'm just going to jump right into it, bro. Uh, Valley Relics Museum, when did you start this? You know, I've been collecting for about 20 years. What I mean by collecting is actually kind of preserving um, items from the Valley, such as a lot of the old BMX tracks, uh, we had the San Fernando Raceway, um, so there was a huge car culture here in the aerospace industry um, and the movie industry, and a lot of it disappeared. And 20 years ago, I started searching the internet to just try and find some history on some of the businesses, corporations, and venues that were here, and I couldn't find anything. This is about 20 years ago, so the internet really wasn't what it is today, and you know, for example, Marilyn Monroe, you know, uh, she worked in North Hollywood, she lived in Van Nuys, she went to Van Nuys High School, and then you try to search that, and it doesn't say anything about that, at least not back then, or very little. So I was just curious why the Valley isn't represented, and for so many years we've been the butt of the joke, but there's so much rich history here that I wanted to start piecing it together and know more about where I come from. So it started about 20 years ago, and then we became a nonprofit just about nine years ago and opened our uh, first uh, museum location in Chatsworth. But as you know, we're at the Van Nuys Airport in two brand new large airplane hangars. Wait, so let me get this straight. Marilyn Monroe lived in the Valley, too? Yes, she sure did. She worked, actually, she worked in the aerospace industry, probably, I think, at an assembly plant, and uh, went to Van Nuys High School. Uh, she lived in Van Nuys. Matter of fact, Robert Redford went to Van Nuys High School as well. So many celebrities lived out here. Wait, Robert Redford did too? Yeah. You know, I think what's, what's interesting is a lot of the Hollywood celebrities had their homes and their ranch homes in the Valley because back then, um, California was one of the first states to legalize horse racing. So a lot of the celebrities could find basically a country home lots of property, you know, have their ranch home and not have to move to Kentucky or Tennessee or wherever. And um, so they started raising horses. They had a big, you know, beautiful piece of property. For example, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz uh, bought a ranch out here in the valley, and they actually got remarried in the valley. So they were married in Canoga Park and had their big, beautiful home, you know, right here in Chatsworth. Wait, so, yeah, it makes sense, though. I mean, like, you know, because this is out here is where, you know, like, think about it. Back in the day, all you had to kind of live out here if you were in the movie industry. You know what I mean? It's like not like today. It's different, obviously. But, like, that's why all the big celebs are probably from here, the, 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 the OGs, well, yeah, right? And, yeah, and you think, you know, back, back then, you know, you had 
Beverly Hills and Hollywood and a lot of places like that, but a lot of them liked to get away, and they didn't have to go too far, even though traveling in the 50s or the 40s, even the 60s, you know, it, it was kind of a, like, it felt like a, a million miles away to go from, you know, let's say Beverly Hills to their ranch home, but, you know, we, people will always talk, you know, crap about the valley, but as valley kids, it was kind of this place where we had motorcycle tracks, BMX tracks, we had a racetrack here for um, drag racing, we had, you know, um, a lot of uh, BMX manufacturers, uh, all the early BMX tracks that were here. I mean, as kids, we'd drive around the valley on our bikes, and we would stop by Redline, we would stop by Mongoose, Gary Littlejohn, and we would dig in their trash can on Saturdays, pull out frames, stickers, forks. I mean, it was just like a mecca of things to do. And when people would talk on the other side of the hill, like the valley, we, we, we were okay with them not really coming over here. You know what I mean? They had the water, they had the ocean, and we had the pools. So we drained our pools, we skated in our pools, we had the BMX track, we had the car culture going on here, we had the celebrities, and, you know, we weren't really trying to defend what we had. Now, driving through the valley today, you know, you kind of go, okay, you know, there's Sherman Oaks and Encino and Universal, and you go towards Woodland Hills, Tarzana, and even the Porter Ranch, you know, those areas, I call it the crust, you know, the, the, uh, the outer parts of the Valley Crater is all still really, really nice. You know, it's the, the center that has taken a beating, you know, big corporations have left, but he has a lot of history here, so. Why do you, why do you think that people would, uh, clown on the valley was it because like you you weren't like the cool hip guys at the beach because you're a little bit further than the beach is that why uh was it more the younger well, kids or i i think it was just more country i think that there, it was you know at the time there wasn't a lot of strip malls and we had we still had a lot of farms and a lot of people from la actually would come over to get their fruit because um we were uh you know we had so much agricultural stuff going on in the valley and turkey farms, chicken farms. So a lot of people did come to the valley to purchase that stuff. But, you know, at the time, see, there's a, there's a little bit of an argument that, you know, Hollywood or Beverly Hills or Mid-Wilshire had a lot of architecture and had that cool factor. The valley did too. It was just, it was just more slower paced. And I think um, that it was more, like I said, there was a lot of, um, agricultural, there was land, there was farms, there was just things to do. So it was kind of, they just kind of looked at it, it as like, it's hot and it's like a bunch of hot bucks. You know, it, it just, so my country bumpkins, and it was that way for a lot of years. And as we became more urbanized and we started, you know, selling off properties and subdividing and strip malls went up and apartment buildings and they, the valley has no preservation effect. It, it hasn't for years. So a lot of our beautiful architecture that went up and down Ventura Boulevard, down Lancashire, down Ice, and, you know, a lot of that stuff just got torn down. So today, you know, it, it still carries that joke. And, um, but a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities still live in the valley. Um, our boy from Breaking Bad, um, uh, Brian Cranston, like he, you know, 
was raised in the valley, went to Canoga Park High School. You know, James Cagney's ranch was up off of Old Melbourne in Granada Hills. Uh, the Marx Brothers, the Warner Brothers. I mean, I can go on. I mean, Bob Hope owned so much of the valley. Um, to this day? To this day? He owns, he owns... Yeah, they, he's, well, you know, his daughter is, you know, Bob Hope lives in a big mansion in Toluca Lake, and the community's been trying to save that house from the daughter um, wanting to tear it down. But a lot of celebrity homes in the valley that still stand, and, you know, once the celebrity passes on, the kids are just interested in the money. But from what I heard, that, um, yeah, he owned a lot of property in the valley. Matter of fact, just on the border of where Topanga and the 118 is, if you start heading um, uh, west, there was a place called, um, it, it was actually uh, Corganville. In Corganville, later on, it was uh, a gentleman that was a cowboy actor, stuntman, and it was a whole cowboy western town, and then Bob Hope bought that property and turned it into Hopetown, where they did a lot of motorcycle racing. Um, also, Spawn Ranch, uh, up there in Chatsworth, where, you know, Charlie got down, and uh, Charlie and the family hung out and, and lived and did a lot of their crimes out there. Um, you know, so there's there's all this history, you know, and the Valley history's out there, but it's sporadic. It's all over the place. No one's trying to tell the story. And so Valley Relics has been the first attempt for someone to spearhead um, to talk about um, that we made rocket engines, warplanes, ammunition, army fatigues, satellite engines. We had Fisher, Superscope, JBL, Dolan Vega, Infinity, all made here. Once again, all CMX companies from Scorpion, Redline, um, Champion, uh, Mongoose, and this goes on, all the early tracks, like the, you know, and then a lot of the car guys that made the cars go fast, that customized the cars, well, I don't know, look at Barris creating the Batmobile. And, and wait, wait, Barris? Barris was from the Valley, too? Yeah, his, I mean, he made all the cars right there out of his North Hollywood shop. Now it's, you know, Toluca Lake or, you know, Universal City in that area. But yeah, all that, all that stuff, man, comes from the Valley. And like I said, so we as Valley kids never really tripped out on people talking crap about the Valley. We just had a lot to do here. There was a lot of land. There was a lot of freedom. It was very safe. Um, we were away from the hustle and bustle. And, you know, for us Valley kids, going to Gazzari's or going to Madame Long's or going to these clubs, um, we had no problem going over the hill to go have fun, man, but trying to drag someone from the west side over to the valley was almost impossible. But you will get people to talk to it, but the valley had the best pegger parties. So you always had people come from everywhere. They would just say, you're from the valley. But, you know, a lot of cute chicks in the valley, the valley girls, come on. I yeah, mean, you know what? Yeah, there is. And you know what? I was thinking of this because I was in Venice the other day, and I was like uh, with my kids, and I was like, you know, I'm always looking for pools and shit to to ride and and whatever. And I started thinking like, there's not any pools in Venice. Like, it doesn't seem like there's that. Not compared to like the valley or the hills or whatever. It makes me think like, did dudes start skating pools in the valley? Well, you know, skate across, right? That was in the valley. Opened, I want to say, seventy five, maybe seventy six. 
was one of the very first skate parks. And when you look up the history of Skater Cross and Reseda, you had a lot of the Venice guys coming over because there was nothing like it. And um, a lot of the BMX, I mean, since the Valley Spawn was a huge part of the humble beginnings of BMX, they even rode their bikes uh, at Skater Cross. So they did all kinds of uh, BMXing, and we're talking 75, 76. Now, if you ever noticed on an old Fiat or an MG, a lot of those little convertible cars, convertibles in general usually don't have air conditioning. And the reason why they don't have air conditioning is because it's a convertible. So when you live by the beach, yeah, there's pools and homes with pools there, but they have the water, they have the beach. So for us, we were the sidewalk surfers, and we had the pools. The valley, every other house had a pool. And, you know, and we drained them, and we skated them. And, you know, you know, you say, I'm looking for that pool, or I'm looking for that place to ride. You know, i got to tell you, that has always been something that skaters and BMXers have always looked for. And, and I'm old. And, uh, and I can remember back in the early 70s, you know, we went and looked for fields. Uh, we would make our own tracks. We looked for empty pools. Right, you know, people would drain them uh, for the winter, and they would, you know, repaint the pools, or they would treat it, or do an acid wash. And I tell you, we've gotten chased out of so many houses, but man, we've been skating pools for years, and um, and BMXing them, and and yeah. So like I said, you know, they have the water, we have the swimming pools. So yeah, some of that early skateboard history does come from the valley, like it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting because you know I was a Midwest kid, so I just kind of you know, looking from the outside in, uh, you know, and, and, and living in the Valley for some time, it seems like the Valley just is constantly changing. Like over the last 50 years, it's like, how much is it to, you know, build, tear down, build, tear down, build, you know what I mean? It's like constant. It seems like, like, yeah, 50 years ago, man, like, so back in the early seventies, I could drive down Sherman Lake and there was still cow farms. And there were still dairies, drive up through dairies. There was um, lots of property where people still had a lot of horses. You see that around the Chatsworth area and the Bell Canyon area up near Calabasas. And, but the whole valley, you know, we're talking from, you know, the 60s. We lived across a street from a farm. The house was built in 58. Um, when I was like, uh, I was born in 64. So right when I was about three or four years old, there was a full farm right across the street from our home in like a residential, you know, like a, a, a nicer area by the Veterans Hospital, this huge farm. And all up and down the street, down Plummer, near Solvita, and going towards um, San Fernando, you know, there was just, it was very rural and a lot of farms. And you're right, you know, they, they, it's a subdivide, subdivide, strip mall, um, apartment buildings, and, and a lot of people, and then the crime, you know, right around, uh, late 79, 1980, a lot of the crime started creeping with, uh, I don't want to say, like, because I'm, I love art, but once a lot of the graffiti started, um, and a lot of the gangs and stuff like that, there used to be a lot of car clubs, which were considered gangs, but they were car clubs. But once, you know, um, a lot of people from uh, uh, LA would come down and they started selling crack in some of the bad neighborhoods, and gangs moved in, and we went through uh, 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 
like a depression as far as uh, like with the 80s with the gas prices going up and crime rate. Uh, General Motors, you know, we we produced and manufactured the very first Camaro, and then continued to produce Camaros from, uh, you know, from the very first Camaro right up right into about 1997. General Motors opened in 1946, and was there along with Lockheed, and Lockheed left, and then General Motors left, and then you know all these homes that were built. For the employees, people just said, you know, I'm not going to stay here. And so the valley got hit pretty hard. And Panorama City, if anyone's listening that knows about Panorama City, there's nothing nice to say about it. But in the heart of Panorama City, you have Broadway, Box, Robinson. It was like, believe it or not, like a mini Beverly Hills in the valley with all the highest high-end um, department stores. And that's where a lot of people went and shopped. And you bring that topic up nowadays, nowadays it, it's a way to really rile the race because people just get so mad and they want to blame whether it's the government or the city or uh, a particular race that has destroyed it. But, you know, regardless of all that, the Valley, you know, by talking about Valley history, we can go anywhere from high fidelity to DMX car racing, to aerospace, to movies. I mean, BT was filmed in the Valley, Bad News Bears, um, you know, it, it, the list goes on. Celebrities yeah. outlived here. And there's no museum, and there's not any, there's a few books out there, but not really talking about the pop culture side of what made the Valley so famous. And as my friend Charles Phoenix says, it's the world's most famous Valley. And, um, and when you go to the museum, you know, you have a whole neon museum, BMX museum. You know, I mean, you've been there. It's, it's like you walk in and there's nothing like it, not even in L.A., that has everything that was once cool to us kids that grew up in Southern California. But even, like I know you originally, you know, you were from... Uh, another state and I have people that come in from New York and they go, No bro, no bro, like I was a huge, you know, BMX bandit to Rad to uh, this movie, that movie, you know, I know all about the valley in LA and where they film the movies. So they come in and they go, you know, um, they know a lot of history that's in the Valley Relics Museum because a lot of that were in of all those pop culture films, and I think we can all relate to all the arcade games that are there that are free play. You have Street Fighter to Mortal Kombat, all the original games from the Rolling Stones, Pinball to Elvira. I mean, all that stuff works from having a bear that was made in Van Nuys there, you know, uh, 60 old school BMX bikes, uh, and it's right on the airport, so you're in this like really cool environment. And you get to kind of walk down memory lane, and it really, you know, I watch a lot of people walk into the museum that are kind of, you know, they they don't know what to expect, and they seem like there's either something on their mind, or they're not in the best of mood. Um, a lot of people do walk in with good news, but a few people, and they walk out with a smile on their face, and they go, man, you know, I forgot how good we had it. No cell phones, you know, you drink out of the hose, 
you ride around on your bicycle all over the valley or wherever you're from, no shirt, no helmet, no shoes, and you can ride all around and feel safe. And the only requirement was to be home by dinner, be home by dark. You know, cherish, you know, what we had and preserving what's left. And I think that's what makes the museum so cool, and that's really kind of what the whole conversation is about. Like, you and I had a blast, you know, you and I had a lot of fun in the valley, and I think that um, the museum, you know, in kind of encompasses everything that we grew up with, everything that was cool, and then a lot of history that, that is global. I mean, when you talk about cars, rocket engines, satellite engines, uh, BMX, car racing, and the celebrities and the movies that were made there, and um, a lot of stuff was made in the valley, and people don't know that, is, you know, we're educating the community, and um, and we're preserving, you know, artifacts, documents, signs. Yeah, vibes, those signs, bro, those signs you take down. I saw the, on your Instagram the Twains, because I know that Twains is right there on, like, what was that on... Uh, Ventura and what, where was that at? Laurel? Uh, Coldwater. Coldwater, yeah. Yeah, it was originally at Denny's way back in the day. It's been trains forever. But how do you but get the sign? Like, how, do you, how, do you, how do you go about that? How do you say, like, do you call them up? You know, well, over the years of me, you know, rattling business owners that are like, ah, oh, we really don't want to watch it. I'm like, what? Oh, I don't want you to stop us from tearing down the building and building something new. I've had to go out and build a name for myself that we're here to help. Can we keep the sign up? Can we keep the building up? If, if it's you already planned, you've already sold it, and just donate the sign and we'll give you a tax write-off. And over the years, by me leading by example and not interfering with what people need to do is be more of a value um, and more of a preservationist in the sense like we tried saving like the Disney home uh, that was over near um, Los Feliz, and we helped. It was the original house that Walt Disney and his brother moved into. It was Aunt and Uncle's house, and they moved in there. They rented a room, and they started Disney in the garage. It was a, a detached garage, and then people forgot, and that house went up for sale, and they were going to tear it down. So we were able to go in there and convince the new buyers to keep it. So guess what they did? They didn't tear it down. It was slated to be torn down. They ended up flipping it and selling it to a Disney fan. And they made money on it and they went somewhere else. So where we can help, we help. But as far as, like with the signs, you know, a lot of people go, Tommy, they're tearing down a building. So we get tagged calls and emails from city officials to government officials to neighborhood councils to... Um, our biggest support, which is the community. Um, and, you know, our outreach now has people from Tustin to Cerritos to um, Palos Verdes to Whittier going, this beautiful sign, it's a neon sign, and it's a, you know, it's a bowling alley sign. Uh, my parents used to bowl here in the 50s. We went there as kids in the 70s. You know, please save the sign. They've already torn down the building. So, you know, we got that reputation. People know that we have the ability to remove. And as you, as you go to the museum, these signs are 25 feet tall, 30 feet tall. They're 20 feet wide. And these are humongous, heavy signs that are four stories up. And, you know, we have the ability to remove 
large size pieces of architecture, and we actually rescue them and save them. And if it wasn't for the community donating their time and, you know, donating money or buying a membership or buying a t-shirt online, it wouldn't be possible. But, you know, the whole museum is fueled by the community is what I'm getting at. We're not funded by any government. You know, we're, we're self-supporting, and how we're self-supporting is we're a nonprofit in the community. And, like, with this conversation, when people start to go, you know, I really didn't know. I just thought it was like this school collection with arcade games and some bikes in it. And then when you start to, you know, do your research, you'll be driving down the street and go, hey, I'm in Malibu, and there's this, bar, you know, there's this big, giant taco man that looks like the Muscle Man, and that building's been abandoned. You should see if you can get that. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, no, I know, what you, I know what you're talking about. I used to eat there. I know the exact right. building. Yeah, I know the exact <laughs> building, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the history of it, and we want it to stay up, but that's the mentality. Did you get that? Did you get did you get that one? No. Well, we, we, those are the things we want to try to, we want to try to keep things up. We don't want to just take it down to take it down. But if, if someone buys it or the city deems it like, hey, it's got a best house inside the building or, you know, someone buys the property to build, you know, uh, $30 million, you know, um, condos overlooking the sea type thing. Yeah, we want, we want to be able to save it. Um, and so we're known for that. And so, you know, that's why I think it's important, like, with these podcasts and reaching out, making myself available, and friends like you, these things are really important because what it does, you know, people start to look and they start to go, wow, like, this, this, you know, nonprofit is really cares about the, I mean, we care about the community and we care about our history, but for God's sakes, there needs to be a place that people can go to and feel safe and be educated on Southern California pop culture and take their kids and just, you know, spend a half hour or two hours, you know, um, clearing their cachet, you know, uh, uh, you know, clearing their heart drive. Yeah, for sure, bro. That's amazing. Have you ever thought about, because you were talking about Malibu, that, that tall, that tall uh, uh, statue, with the, the, the one right there that you were talking about at that taco yeah, stand. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, Basically, it's Mexican food, and that was made by, I believe it was International Plastics in Venice in 1966. Those muscular men were all made in Venice in the 60s, and they became uh, as a, a roadside attraction for gas stations, tire stores, restaurants. You could order one. They came out of Venice, and over the years, they kind of said, oh, maybe they're not safe, they're too high up. They might fall, you know, when you put one of those in Texas or North Carolina and a tornado hits, you know, you got Paul Bunyan that's, you know, 30 feet tall being swung across the, the city. <laughs> People started to go, I don't know if it's safe. So they started taking them down and destroying them. And the thousands of those that were made, you know, there's only a few hundred of them left. And they're highly collectible. And uh, there's also the other muscle guy right there at Sherman Lane Sepulveda. He's like got his arms out. You probably seen that too. Yeah, yeah, of course. So there's, there's only a handful, and there's the genie guy that's on Royal Canyon in Sherman Way. So there's only a handful of those things left. What about Circus Liquor? Circus Liquor, dude, that's a good one too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. So have you? But my, but my my thing I was trying to get at is is that have you ever thought about expanding outside of the valley? Because I mean that's technically in Malibu, but that's just more of the yeah. history of SoCal. 
Yeah, so we, so what I try to explain to people, and people start to get it, look, we are the Valley Wealthies, and we spotlight the Valley. But, you know, between Taco Bell, Bob Sickboy, um, Noggles, a lot of people, when you, you see people, when you drive around the Valley, you see a Jack in the Box, a McDonald's, and a Starbucks on every corner in the Valley. You know why? Because they do extremely well. And a lot of Southern California chains make their money or have started either in the valley, close to the valley, on the outskirts of the valley, and their popularity and their growth happen. It's a great test market. So the thing is, is that if you grew up in Southern California, you experienced Zodies, Fedco, Jimco, Taco Bell, Noggles, you know, all of these establishments that are in Malibu, are in Whittier, are in San Francisco. So we have rescue signs from San Francisco, from Whittier, um, and those signs people put through the valley. I'm like, but it's Southern California pop culture. I have to explain to people, look, in California, there's a place called Los Angeles. And within that Los Angeles, Los Angeles County is the valley. It's like when people go, where are you from? You know, if you're in New York, where are you from? Oh, I'm from California. Oh, what part? You know, L.A. Oh, what part of L.A.? Van Nuys, you know, Sherman Oaks. So at what point do we want to continue to separate ourselves from our local history? Because if you grew up in Southern California, and you spent a lot of time here, you know, and you got to experience it. And the thing is, is that if you spent any time in California, and you've experienced Barnes and Ralph's, and like I said, you know, Taco, a lot of those places started here. So for me to not want to rescue a goofy style or some type of well-known architectural sign, neon sign, it's Southern California pop culture. And that's what made Southern California so hip and so cool, including the other side of the hill as in Hollywood and Beverly Hills and West Hollywood. Oh, man, yeah, for sure. Well, it does. I mean, I'm a kid. I'm from the Midwest looking in, so for me, I'm like, I like it all. I love all the stuff you put. I'm into it. It takes me back to a time where I'm like, dang, I wish I lived out here during that time. You know, some of the stuff you post. You know, I, I want to say this. Uh, Tarzan was written in, in Tarzana, right? That's right. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote Tarzan, and that's why they named that uh, Listen, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, and the reason why I brought this up, I just thought of this. There's a post office. What's the exit? Uh, White Oak. And okay, so White Oak by Trader Joe's right there down the street. There's a post office, and they have a display of some of his stuff in in that yes. in there. And I'm like, dang, you should try to hit them up and get that stuff in the museum, bro. You know, you've yeah, seen that. You've seen that amazing. stuff. You've seen that stuff. Yeah, I I have. And there's a little cultural center. That's right off the 101 uh, in Tarzana, and I believe there's a Ross right there. And it used to be um, a place that made us like um, ceramic uh, statues or um, marble statues. They used to sell them and make them there. Now it's, a, it's actually a little cultural center. They have a whole area on Edgar Rice Burroughs as well. There's still a lot of cool little buildings and homes and history kind of hidden throughout the valley and um but yeah the Edgar Rice Burroughs if we have a small small amount of stuff but you know when they decide it's, it's interesting 
as time goes on, they find it not, um, you know, they, in some cases, like a lot of these chambers are closing uh, down and they're donating a lot of stuff uh, to the Valley Relics Museum. And it's kind of a shame because I think that we shouldn't continue to tear stuff down or get rid of these educational, you know, places, like let's say that post office. But yeah, I would love to have all that stuff. And, and, and we're the people, like uh, for example, we got a call, a good friend of mine, Jerry, um, she, her family owned the Pinecrest Schools. Uh, they uh, just recently sold all the property, and she donated a school bus to sell it and then used the money to pay bills at the museum. And then she gave us a bunch of old trophies from the 50s and some really cool photos and some wow. other cool memorabilia. But today, she let us go clean out two huge storage units, and it's just full of, like, probably 10 boxes of old photos from around the valley. And they had, like, a location in Encino, Woven Hills, Van Eyes that opened up in the 50s. So those photos have pictures of when the valley was still farmland. And we are, we are that nonprofit that we will go and pick that stuff up and go through it. You know, donate what doesn't really fit the collection and put the rest in the museum. So it's, you know, and I got to tell you, you know, Rick, you've been a huge supporter. You and I have been friends for a long time. And what's cool about that, you came, how I met you was through my, my t shirt printing shop. And you and I have become really close. And um, you've always been a huge supporter uh, of the Valley Rescue. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with um, some of the. Um, first decade BMXers, the, the, uh, the legends of BMX, you know, they're all, you know, donating their trophies, uh, their Norcaps, their, I mean, this is stuff that, like, was on all the magazine covers from 75 into, like, 83, 84, and you donated a helmet, uh, a bike yeah. frame, yeah, man. and, I mean, I have all that stuff that's going to be going in the museum, now that we have more room, we've expanded our BMX section. Anyone listening, Tommy has the sickest BMX collection. Anyone out there, you got to check it out. You know what I'm saying? It's you got a sick collection, bro. Yeah, thank you, man. And you've been a huge part of that. You've been a huge supporter, not only on the BMX side, but just just as a friend. And and like you said, you know, liking the post and and you know, leaving a comment. Like people don't realize, like all that stuff matters because you know, if you like something, it helps go through the feed. There's, People go, yeah, I didn't know there was a museum in this alley. So it all works, man. And I appreciate yeah. you for that. Yeah, no, thanks, brother. I love you. Um, I wanted, uh, without, I a, you, without a doubt, your museum is badass. I'm like impressed. Um, what, one other, I got a couple more questions. Have you ever thought about hitting up estate cells? Do you ever do that? I mean, dude, I go to some estate cells and like, you know, people have been living there for 50, 60 years, you know what I'm saying? And they got some really old school stuff. Do you ever find and score anything like that at an estate cell or garage yeah, cell? Yeah, it's. Yeah, so we, we go to a few of them, and some stuff, you know, it gets high bed, but, high, you know, we get bid out of stuff. Um, we will buy some things that really reflects, but what we've been doing is we've made friends with a lot of people that put on the estate sales, and they have been talking to the estate companies and the owners of the property. For example, Jack Webb, that, um, you know, he's the one that created Dragnet, uh, Emergency, Adam 12, a lot of movies. He went, he had a home in Palm Springs and a home in Encino. A home in Encino, off the hook. And he had a TV wall built 
uh, in the late 60s were nine TVs along with clocks above it so he could watch nine different stations and know what time it was in New York and other parts of the United States um, because he wanted to see what his competition, why Emergency was playing, why Dragnet was playing, Adam 12, and he wanted to see uh, what times worked better, what his competition was. So that TV wall, and then this beautiful, like, um, it's probably about two and a half, three feet wide by uh, two feet tall and by about two feet deep is this miniature model lighted uh, made by a well-known artist, Sam Sun, that was kind of like a fish tank sunken into the wall of his home of the Ben Kerr um, uh, movie set. And it lights up, and it's the entire scene of Ben Hur. Uh, wow. And, and they did not, so when the Jack, so this is what's interesting, 1971, Jack Webb left his home with one suitcase, walked away from his house, and he sold it. He left everything in that home. The people that bought it in 71 never touched anything. He left everything. And they finally... Wait, wait, he left... About, he, why, why did he leave all his stuff, just out of curiosity? <laughs> because he had money, he had a home, he was old, and he was done. I mean, think about it. Think about all the money that he made. It wasn't really about money anymore. It was more about his happiness... And he just was like, you know, you can't take this shit with you. So he literally walked away, sold the home, left everything in it. The people that bought it left everything the way that it was. And just recently, I think it was maybe the daughter of the people that, that originally bought it, uh, decided to do a state sale. And they sold all of Jack Webb's stuff, a lot of mid-century furniture, paintings, all this stuff. The one thing they didn't sell that people wanted was the TV wall and the model, this, this, you know, model that was made in 1959, the set of the And so the house, uh, they, they did these big sales, they got everything cleared out, they put the house up for sale with the TV wall and that model still on the wall. And guess what happened? Uh, they called us and said, hey, the new owners, uh, we're in escrow, and they do not want the TVs in there, and they don't want the model. Uh, the state sale's over. We're not going to do another estate sale. We, we are donating them to the Valley Relics Museum. Badass. Some of the best stuff, right? So wow. we go and we dissect the 1970s paneling, all of the 1969 Sony Triniton TVs. They still we work? This, yes. We, well, we, had to, we, we made it work. So we pulled the entire TV wall that's eight feet tall by about, you know, 12 feet wide. We took that out of the home, frame, paneling, TVs, wiring, speakers, cloth. We dissected it out of that home, brought it into the museum. We removed this beautiful framed model of Ben Hur, right? They donated to give them a tax write off. And then we find out about 10 days later that the escrow fell through. Oh, wow. And we, ended up with, and we ended up with all that stuff, and guess what? That stuff is in the museum, lit up. And, but we've made friends with some of these estate people, and sometimes we don't hear about them, but a lot of people will tag us and let us know. But some of our friends, though, that we've made, when, they go, when they're putting on the estates, so if they see something that's not too expensive, like, like we really love 
photos and home movies, you know, where people are driven around the valley or backyard barbecues or aerospace stuff. So the valley, you know, we're not talking about being, I mean, Ming Dynasty or we're not talking about, like, Van Gogh. The museum really prides itself, obviously, on financial donations, but a lot of this stuff that tells the story, photo albums, yearbooks, uh, famous artists that are in the Valley. Like I said, you know, some of this stuff is valued. And, like, we have uh, one of Moody Cohn, the famous rodeo tailor's car that's valued at, you know, $450,000. We are the keepers of that car. It was given to us on loan. It's been there eight years, almost nine years now. It's not going anywhere. They didn't give it to us. They said it's not going anywhere, and we're okay with that. So we have Nash books and Nash trays that are worth $10. Then we've been donated guitars that are worth $3,000. So, you know, it, it, it all works for us. We, we, like I said, you know, we want to cherish what we had and preserve what's left, and we want to continue to grow as we have been for the last eight years. And I appreciate you calling Tommy. And I know you know a lot of famous people. And I know you've had some really awesome people on the podcast. And I'm honored, you know, that you asked me to do that. And I really yeah, appreciate bro. that. And, you know, so thank you. Yeah, man. I love you, bro. Where can people find you uh, on, you know, the Internet and all that? So, you know, the best thing to do is if you go to, you know, www. Valley Relics Museum, you know, .org, or just type in Valley Relics, and our website comes up, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, you know, Facebook at Valley Relics Museum, or Instagram at Valley Relics Museum, and you know, the one thing that we'd love to do is we make history fun, so if you want to see old photos of, you know, the Taco Bells in the 60s, or Hot Rods, or BMX, or the way things used to look in Hollywood, like you know, we have all that stuff. Um, and we make our social media more about interacting with the community. Um, I really try to keep history fun. And you go to the website if you want to find out what it costs to get in, when we're open. Oh, and that's a good point. You know, due to COVID, we shut down for a couple of months. We have uh, created what we call it, uh, an open-air experience. Since we're in two airplane hangers, and people don't realize this because we always keep our doors closed and air conditioned on, air conditioning on, is um, our airplane hanger has doors that open 30 feet tall by 120 feet long. I mean, you can drive an airplane through our hangers. So now that we have this open air experience, um, we can be open and um, we, we follow all the CDC guidelines. Um, it's pretty much being a big open patio but we're open only in the evenings until um, we get permission to go back to open regular hours. But go to the website, uh, org and purchase your tickets. Come hang out every Friday and Saturday evening from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And, you know, a lot of famous people come to the museum, uh, producers, directors, and celebrities, and most of the time I don't even know it. And, and you bring a lot of parents that bring their kids there uh, that are in their, like, let's say, early 30s to their 40s, that they always talk about this used to be a skate park, this used to be a bike track, this used to be... <laughs> and it's just fun for the whole family. And, and free arcade play, we have tons 
in terms of arcade games and uh, at pinball machines that are all free play. That's so rad. Yeah, anybody listening, definitely check out Valley Lakes Museum. If you live out in Southern California or if you're making a trip out here, all you BMXers out there, you just got to go just to see this BMX collection, I'm telling you. Tommy, I love you, bro. I'm proud of you. You're I killing love you too, it. Man. And uh, I appreciate you being on my show. So have a rad day, yeah, bro. Dude. Yeah, you as well, man. I'll talk to you later.